0: And welcome to Hack the Net, where every week we delve into the darkest recesses of the internet to find something interesting or even comprehensible. I'm Matt, the Bit Rememberer Kowalski.
1: <laughs> I'm Jeff, also uh, of the family Kowalski.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Louisa Heron. I'm going rogue. I'm going back. <laughs> uh,
1: I renounce uh, my connections. <laughs> uh, she's been disavowed. The podcast yep. has initiated Ghost Protocol, and Louisa.
0: <sighs> yep. <laughs> She just got married and took her own name.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I looked into the mirror, I said, I do and
2: then decided to get back to my main
0: name. But then the candyman came.
1: (laughs) Now you're married to the candyman. Yeah. Ooh, that's the dream, right? Yeah. Louisa Uh. Candyman Dash Heron. A big, a big, day. strong
0: man to take care of you and violently murder everyone you don't like.
1: Yeah, with bugs. Is that his
2: thing? Does he have bugs I in think his? He has care? bees.
0: bees. I
2: think he spits oh, okay. bees in your mouth.
0: I there think he's he is a swarm of bees, and like the or like he can turn into a swarm of bees, like Dracula can turn into a bat. Oh, That's very, pretty good.
1: It would be very cute to call him Honey as your pet name. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> man! Is the Candyman the best monster to marry? I think we've already had this conversation and already said yes to that.
1: I think that can't I have to be find true. out if Candyman is one of the universal monsters. Give me a second.
2: Okay. Because the actor who plays him, what is his name? Is Tony something? And I don't remember.
1: Tony Todd? That sounds right.
2: Uh, is very charming in real life, so I think we put a lot of that into our de- idea of the Candyman.
0: Yeah, I will say that I've never seen a single second of any Candyman movie, but as I understand the trailer for the most recent one, he's mainly a ghost who violently murders racists, and I'm so on board with every part of that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's very good.
0: Yeah.
1: And oh, he turned into bees, I love that. This whole series is based on Clive Barker's short story, no wonder it's so gross.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: That guy's a real pervert.
0: We were talking last night, me and Jen, about um, watching Benice no, not Benicio Del Toro, Guillermo, Guillermo. Del, no. Guillermo no. del-, no. del- <laughs> Toro, sorry. <Yeah. laughs> Uh, movies, and I think I've enjoyed almost every movie of his that I've seen, and I've seen almost all of them, mm-hmm. but every single one of them, there's at least one scene where I'm like, oh yeah, I wish that wasn't in there. Yeah. yeah. Where it becomes really obvious how much he wants to fuck a monster. <laughs> or just like, there was one day where he came in maybe like hung over from the day before and was like, I want the grossest possible effects in this scene. <laughs> Just like make this one so gross that people can't look at the screen to watch this movie. Uh,
1: friends I there have one of those re- in- I have great news. Pacific Rim. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. the Candyman reboot is a Universal Studios picture. Hell so yes. The Candyman <laughs> is one of the universal monsters. And yes, you mentioned Pacific Rim. The kaijus are also Universal Monsters.
0: Alright, well this really drastically changes Captain Transylvania's power set.
1: (laughs) Wait, are we limiting him only to Universal Monsters? I thought Um, we were.
0: Well, I mean, he has the power of every monster. That is his brief. Okay. But I do feel like we don't want him to have the powers of some monsters, by which I mean the kind of monsters who are in real
1: life. Mm, I see. Okay. Yeah. You want um, that caveat? We do yes. want him to have the powers of monsters where, like, a spider would write some monster over the corner of the barn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. A monster
2: you could be proud of. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: Wait, are we implying that a talking pig is a monster? Because I could get on, that, on board with that, too. He doesn't talk yeah. to people. Well, that that wasn't part of my statement, Jeff.
2: Could he talk to people? There's a question I've never thought about before. Mm, yeah. If
0: he can talk to spiders, he must be able to talk to people, no, right?
2: Spiders and pigs <laughs> have a secret language of love.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They have a symbiotic <laughs> relationship. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That
1: makes a lot of sense. Oh, symbiotic yeah, spider venom mm-hmm. is a symbiote? No, no. Yeah,
0: and there's that spider pig uh, character <laughs> hey, from yeah,
1: here. We go Marvel. <laughs> is that what happened? Spectacular spider hand. Mm.
0: Is that yeah. what happened if uh,
1: you
2: crossbreed pigs and spiders? That's oh how you god, a spider pig. How I think he, he is- likes it to have.
0: You're getting very close to describing the plot of the Margaret Atwood novel arcs and Crake right Damn now. Damn it!
1: You are also pretty close to making the same joke as the Simpsons movie.
0: Oh, that's true.
2: Did they make that joke? I mean, I know they had a spider pig.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that, that's all. Louisa. That's the whole joke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it wasn't... <laughs> Genetically, it wasn't. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> I yeah. guess the real trap I'm falling into is taking charming monsters and making them disgusting, like we just talked
1: about. We shouldn't
0: do. Yeah, you're the like Guillermo del Toro, del Toro of this podcast. Damn it.
1: Yeah, I probably am. Which which is the most charming monster?
0: Oh, uh we've definitely talked about this before. Because we you want to say Dracula, but then you're like, no, he's more like an incel who he thinks he's charming, but everyone else is kind of made uncomfortable by him. He's,
1: he's an incel who does seduction superpowers. Yes. <laughs> he read a he read a version of Mystery's book that actually worked. Yeah. Yep. He is mystery.
2: Mystery's an incel with in the attraction powers. Right. Um no, I will-
1: he has never gotten uh. Any Anyone to touch his penises in, in his entire life. He attracts
2: yes. other incels and makes them think that he knows how to attract women. Though he's <laughs> yeah, very good true. at that. He really has that ability.
1: That is that is very true. Let's make a um, horror movie where the bad guy is like a hive of insects that uh, tricks men into being bastards to feed it like some kind of slime.
0: <laughs> oh God, Sounds Jeff! Gross. We all know what kind of slime it's going to be, and I don't oh, want no, to no. <laughs> <fail. laughs>
2: Yeah, this is like the horrible inverse of Candyman, the uh, monster that we all love because he turns yes. into bees.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, we all no, love him th- because he turns into bees. Yes. Sure. There's
0: there's a million reasons to love Candyman. I just want to say, um, we were also talking last night about if you were a monster. What monster are you and what monster do you want to be? Yeah. Um, and I said, and I stand by this, I think the monster I am is Dr. Victor Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And I think that the monster that I want to be is Frankenstein's monster. Because Frankenstein's monster is definitely the best universal monster to be. We all agree on this, right? Well, yeah, this is
2: where it gets tricky. Universal monster? Maybe. I could maybe see that, although I don't quite agree. But if you're talking about the source material, no, he fucking whines all the time and blames all his problems on uh, Victor Frankenstein.
0: Yes, but you realize that that the novel only takes place during the first year of Doc of the of Frankenstein's monster's life, right? He's literally a baby who can talk. (laughs)
2: Uh, yeah, but he's also a whiny grown man. He can talk in full sentences. And what does he do at the end? He, like, puts himself on an
1: ice floe and sails in the
0: He lives at the North Pole uh, hunting Dr. Frankenstein, or maybe Dr. Frankenstein's hunting him or whatever. Uh,
1: that's the origin of Santa Claus.
0: <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> yeah, he decided he couldn't have a family, so he would make a family of every child in the world
1: by giving this him a This has <laughs> to be
0: something that's been done before.
1: I mean, based on how long it's been since Frankenstein was published, I guarantee you it's been done before.
0: <laughs> I would I would love for somebody like a, a- claymation Christmas special style thing to have Santa Claus and the elves and he just walks walks past Frankenstein's monster at some point (laughs) like hanging tinsel on a tree and it's not addressed, it's just assumed he's one of Santa's uh, retinue.
2: Oh, well that's a happy ending for Frankenstein then. Yeah. He's not like writing some angry manifesto about how women look at him with horror and therefore that's why he's the real most persecuted person in the world.
0: This is what I'm saying. I feel like Frankenstein has a bunch of very awful shit happen to him in the book... But once the book is over, you could kind of be like, you could very clearly see an arc where he like gets normal. <laughs>
1: <He> gets <laughs> normal, yeah, like a cool montage. He becomes montage. a he becomes they an take... action hero, like a Hellboy type figure in the DC universe.
2: <laughs> his friends no. take him to a clothing store, and he buys a really cool
1: jacket. Yeah, or oh, <laughs> whatever. He, he does like a whole uh, uh, what you call it montage of him trying on different clothes. Exactly. And Dracula, They're like Dracula thumbs down. Head, like no. <laughs> (laughs)
2: Thumbs down to that members-only jacket. Yay! Leather jacket, you're
1: very cool now. Yeah, the wolfman goes, ow to the leather jacket. (laughs) Yep.
0: The thing is, and I don't want to get into probably exactly the thing that the comic book Jeff is talking about does, which I've not read, um, but Frankenstein is also the monster who would fight all the other monsters because he is the one who's like, no, human life is actually valuable and good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, he's pretty much exactly just uh, Hellblade, but he's a Frankenstein instead. Yeah. Uh, His wife is much cooler. Mrs. uh, Frankenstein, the bride (laughs) of... uh, Oh, that makes sense, For some reason, the DC version has four arms.
0: Oh. Whoa. I mean, if you had the secret of reanimating dead flesh and you could, like...
1: I mean, why not?
0: Consensually get somebody to donate their arms to you after they die? Yeah, why not? Just stick them on there. <laughs> well,
1: if you just wait for them to die, then they become an inanimate object, and you don't need the consent to take the arms. That's mm-hmm. true, it's just like property, um, property <laughs> no. damage if you
2: desecrate a body. It is, though! What's this? It's just like, uh, legally property damage if you desecrate a body.
0: I understand that, but I am not going to go on record on this podcast as saying that it is okay to molest someone's corpse after they die because they can't say no anymore.
2: Yeah, is that what Jeff's saying? I'm also against that. (laughs) I'm taking sides against Jeff
0: Not in a a sexual way. Um, that is a weird qualifier, actually, to have to put
1: on it. (laughs) You said molest is why. Um, Yes,
0: I know, and I'm saying any kind of molesting. I mean, look, me as a living person being sexually molested would be bad, but I think someone removing my arms against my will would be worse.
1: Okay, that is fair, but if you were dead, you're not a person anymore, so it doesn't matter.
0: But I, it's still my thing, and you shouldn't cut it up without asking first.
1: This is such an interesting mm, area yeah, of yeah. philosophy.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is why we have organ donors. And listen, I am an organ donor, and if they were like, we're going to cut off your arms and put them on Mrs. Frankenstein, I'd be 100% <laughs> on board with that. <laughs>
2: You check that box for yes. I can be used in uh, mad
0: scientist experiments.
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: if Mrs. Frankenstein loses one of her arms hunting the vast hordes of Dracula, then you can even if she doesn't
0: turn her into a ball of arms. That'd be <laughs> radical. Nice. Yeah, that'd be like a like biblical part. angel. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, I'm. S- I- I'm saying, I think you could get enough people in one year donating their bodies to the Frankenstein couple that you could turn them both into whatever they wanted to be.
2: <laughs> that might be true.
0: Akira-style um, like flesh monsters that take over all of Tokyo.
2: Was her name Victoria, canonically? Because I think I remember that, but is that just from uh, something else?
0: I know that she was Victor Frankenstein's fiancée, yeah. and then Fr- Frankenstein's monster killed her
1: and
0: was like, build me a wife out of your wife's
2: corpse. No, 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 no. I've got the
1: whole part set
2: right here already.
0: (laughs) Frankenstein is like, make me a wife, and Victor Frankenstein's like, no, I need a fresh corpse, and then Frankenstein kills a prostitute and brings the prostitute back and is like, make this into my wife, and then Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein's like, uh, I guess so, and then starts working on it and decides it's a monstrosity and burns the corpse, and then Victor, and then the Frankenstein's monster gets so mad that he kills Victor Frankenstein's fiance, then Victor Frankenstein brings her back to life, but she loves the monster and not the
1: doctor. Mm. Yeah, that One sense. of those <laughs> named Victoria, I'm pretty sure.
0: Who knows? I know yes. she was played by Helena Bonham Carter in the movie.
1: Uh, the one where Robert De Niro plays the monster?
0: Yes, which is, I still consider the best Frankenstein movie. <laughs> Yeah,
1: that is probably the best, uh, like, the most faithful adaptation. Uh, yes. It is also extremely funny that Robert De Niro plays Frankenstein monster.
0: <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, it's very dumb. I, Robert <laughs> De Niro is maybe the worst actor that's still alive. Is that true? Do we he's, all agree on that?
1: definitely the worst well <laughs> Respected actor. Yeah, that's true. Yeah,
2: now that Sean Connery's dead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, was he ever well respected, or did we just kind of like him because he was a weird dickhead?
2: Uh, I think he was well, well respected at the time. He was like Bond and stuff before you we were.
0: Remember, when already wore that teddy bear costume in the Avengers? <laughs>
1: No, (laughs) what the British Avengers, Louisa? Yeah,
0: the 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 Avengers with Ray Fiennes and um, Uma Thurman.
2: Yeah, I remember he was in it, but
0: there's a there's a scene where they go to his like uh, uh, business building. Why can't I think of the name? (laughs) (laughs) You know, a business building. (laughs) Yeah, like office building, I guess. Anyway,
2: headquarters.
0: Uh, yeah, headquarters, that works. Um, and he has, like, all of his uh, henchmen there, all of his, like, lieutenants, yeah, and I they either. all come in dressed in full-body, like, furry teddy bear costumes.
2: Mm, that so started that- ring a bell.
0: And then, uh and then the Avengers come in to kill him that they all put their heads on and then they all scatter so that the Avengers don't know which ones are which it's very dumb but you do get to see Sean Connery in a full-body furry teddy bear costume which is amazing
1: Hmm. I think based on appearance Uma Thurman is a good choice to play uh Emma Peel but she can't possibly do a good British accent right
0: Um, I I think she does a better job than you'd expect. The thing is, Uma Thurman is actually a pretty good actress, and you forget that because she's in so many horse shit movies. Yeah, Yeah.
1: that's true. She is one of the highlights of the incredibly bad movie Batman and Robin. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, she- She understood
1: that she's in a comedy. Yes, she might
0: be the only actor in it that, like- did it. <laughs> did yeah. the thing that was supposed to be done. Which I <laughs> yeah. don't agree with that, but at least I understand it. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't I, I think making a comedy Batman movie in the 90s was probably a bad call, but you know, at least they told her.
0: <laughs> I think they told everyone, but everyone else was like, uh-huh, whatever.
1: Yeah. Chris O'Donnell might get it, but George Clooney absolutely was like trying to bring gravitas to that role. I think he yeah. thought
2: he was supposed to be the straight man, as crazy stuff happened around it, but it wasn't Crazy enough or directed to him enough for him not to seem basically comatose in that role. Yeah. That's a shame
1: because he's a good actor.
0: The the idea that Chris O'Donnell did get it and that was his best job of a performance really, like, literally winded (laughs) me thinking about it, Jeff, how (laughs) depressing that is.
2: Yeah, but I think it's true, right? He probably was like, yeah, I'll be
1: smirky and sarcastic all the time. That'll be hilarious. Anyway, the universal monster that I am is Dr. Jekyll, and the one that I want to be is Mr. Hyde.
2: (laughs) Wait. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: (laughs) I don't think you're supposed to want to be Mr. Hyde. Oh, but he's so he's so hot to the women in the musical version.
0: Yeah, why would he have drunk that potion if he didn't want to be Mr. Hyde, Louisa? <laughs> think about it. No, I think maybe you missed the point of the original story.
1: Mm. Yeah, in, in the original story, he becomes a little tiny, horny gremlin, and that is, <laughs> I, I'm saying that I am Mr. Hyde, but want to be Dr. Jekyll. Wait,
0: Ooh, no, you just reversed version, it. No,
1: book version, that's true, oh, okay. but movie version, where they make Mr. Hyde a big, cool, incredible Hulk and swap <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> that, wow, that's even more complicated than my thing of being both
1: Frankensteins. <laughs> well, they already did that on stage that time. Did they? Oh, what yeah. are you talking about? Where they yeah. would swap the actors who played the monster. That was the Sherlock
0: Holmes, you maniac!
1: No, they, no, did they it were with Frankenstein. What are you yeah. talking about?
0: Yeah,
2: it was is the Sherlock Holmeses is the thing. It was... Uh, uh, I can't remember any names now. Benedict Coverbatch and Benedict
1: Coverbatch and another guy. Oh, Johnny
2: okay. Lee Miller.
0: I could have sworn that that was Sherlock Holmes. All right. Well, anyway, um, Louisa, what did you do this week?
2: Uh, I finished up my Halloween costume, which uh-huh. uh, last night was Halloween and we all got together online. And that was fun.
0: Yep. So no, we don't need to tell anyone what it was because <laughs> everyone on this call knows. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: what's funny is, um, I was Ravio from The Legend of Zelda, which is uh, specifically from the game A Link Between Worlds where yep. Link visits Low which is like a dark world Hyrule and uh, his Low Rule counterpart is Ravio. <clears throat> And uh you guys mentioned Ravio last week on the call <laughs> and I was yeah. like, uh yeah. <laughs> trying not to tip anything off because you're like, that would be a pretty good costume, Ravio.
0: <laughs> but I was already
2: working on it. <laughs> so, but that didn't come up and I was still surprised, so that was nice. Yep, um, good. If people don't know, Ravio wears a purple uh, rabbit sort of combination between a mask and a helmet, which would have been really fun to do all in paper mache, but I just did. Uh, it's simply I bought a plastic rabbit mask and I adapted that and he wears just a long purple robe with a big belt and a scarf so that was fun and he has a little bird companion which i made out of a little uh bird that you buy to put on a wreath like a christmas wreath
0: oh yeah yeah that that makes sense yeah, yeah. So I, I given, about- mm. given how desperate i feel like nintendo has been to create legend of zelda off or spin-offs rather mm-hmm. um i wonder why they haven't made a spinoff about the dark world link and zelda Cause yes. I would play that. That seems like it would be a really good game. And it wouldn't mess with the timeline more than it already does, cause it's a parallel universe.
2: Yeah, that would be really cool. Uh, <laughs> I also don't know. But then, Nintendo makes a lot of decisions which don't really make any sense and are yeah. directly counter to what people would like.
0: I was, when I looked up to show Jen the character you were based on last night, Louisa, mm-hmm. um, uh, one of the things that came up was like a, I guess a proposal for him to be added to Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> uh, be good. Which is fine. But, uh, the, the way that people do those, they always show the, like, the, the close up of the character and then <clears throat> the text describing them. So it'll be like, uh, Samus, the inter, intergalactic bounty hunter or whatever. <laughs> and for Ravio, it was Ravio, the hero without courage. <laughs> Oh, no, that's true. That's a it very good It is true, thing, yeah. and also v- such a burn.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like. Did they ever explore what the um, what you call it, the reverse Triforce is? Is it is it like cowardice, weakness, and stupidity?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they mentioned oh, it, but that okay. is a good point.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: Ugh. I do like that he's still a hero, even though he's not brave.
2: Yeah, I really like. The whole thing about the Dark World, the way they're like, it's the opposite, but the way they interpret opposite is kind of like Bizarro Superman, where yes. it's like, not really opposite all the time, and sometimes it goes in weird other directions, and I like that a lot.
0: Well, because if you tried to make anything that was truly opposite in a fictional universe, uh, it would be unknowable. Like, you wouldn't be able to parse what was happening,
1: you know? Yeah, I, feel- yeah. I kind of feel that way about the story in A Link Between Worlds. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I
2: guess (laughs) why they're doing all that stuff from low rule. Yeah, that
1: is a good like question. Why? Why is it suddenly low rule and it has a whole culture? Like I played the game before it with the same map and it was just a dark world full of monsters. There were no people there. What's happening? Yeah, but Hilda was in hiding though, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, Hilda was underground or something. I don't remember the
1: lore. Why The lore did- makes no sense in Zelda anyway. Yeah.
0: Spoilers for this game for a, f- a minute or two. <laughs> Why did she turn evil again? That's the part I don't remember. Hilda, Hilda, you mean? Yeah. She didn't really turn evil. That's the thing. is she, she just- the
2: main boss at the end? No, you're still fighting, um, it's not Ganon. Oh,
1: shit, it's, who is it? It's, it's that... Effeminate Ganon, who I thought was like opposite and was a lady, but is actually still uh, like Yarga Yimga,
2: (laughs) yeah, something like that. Um, No, the the I thought it was a pretty good um, characterization because Hilda cared about Hyrule, but cared about Rule more, and she wanted to help rule at the expense of Hyrule.
1: Yuga. Right. It's Yuga. Yuga, that's right. Who is the, I guess, the Dark World version of Ganondorf? The Dark I guess. World version
0: of Ganondorf should have been a hero, should have helped you.
1: Yeah,
2: but then, then Ravia would have to be the villain,
0: right? That would be awesome! <laughs> yeah, that would rule. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've already fought Dark Link several times in the series.
1: Yes. Is he just a shadow? I don't think that he's like a person.
0: It would be cool if you found out that Ravio was Dark Link and had like reformed himself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, literally, like, turned from shadows into an actual shape, like, reformed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. Because, I mean, Dark Link, the shadow version of Link, is just a, like, opposite reflection of Link.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah! But, like, tied to Link and all his movements, whereas Ravio thinks for himself. Yeah,
1: he's his own.
0: Is this a uh Mario, Wario, Waluigi thing where he's, like, a reflection of a reflection?
1: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs>
2: How's he a reflection of a reflection, though? Explain that to me.
0: Which one? Wario- Waluigi or Shadow Rabio. Link?
2: Oh, Shadow Link is a reflection of... What? Just Link, right?
0: I think that Shadow Link is like a uh, an echo of Ravio in our world.
1: <sighs> oh, <man>. That's too <laughs> much. No, Shadow Link is like that gooey paint Mario that you do ghost races against in Galaxy.
0: He's just Gooigi. Could he be Gooigi <laughs> in yeah, some he's way? Yeah, he's Mario's yeah. Gooigi. <laughs> Wait, he's gotta be
1: Link's Gooigi, surely. Oh, uh, no, I meant the paint Mario. Uh. Yeah, he's Link's Gooigi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Glad Rob, we cleared that up. <laughs> Robbio is Link's Wario. Yes,
2: I guess. Even though they turn out to be friends and they work together in the end.
1: Yeah, yeah no, that happens with Mario and Wario sometimes. Probably. I don't think mm, it okay. does. Although we'll it would be, be great if it done. did. <laughs> yeah, that would be like the
0: so- That would be like the Sonic and Knuckles of the Mario universe. Yeah. If you had a game where you could like mm. play. Play through a certain amount of it until as Wario, until you set Mario free or whatever. Oh wait, and that then, does
1: happen. That's Mario sixty four DS. Is it? Oh well, yeah. that's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> we don't
0: like this idea anymore. Yeah, no, because like the plot of that real. game isn't isn't that. You can't do that. You can't just. Excuse me. Slap it on another game, another plot.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I I'm- I want Wop Bowser. When do we get Wop Bowser?
0: We've we've talked about this every week for months.
1: <laughs> no, it was the princess's last time. We didn't do Wop Bowser <laughs> or Watoad.
0: I would love and be so disturbed by the idea of a Wabowser Bowser who is like a thin lizard.
2: <laughs> oh god, yeah. Oh, god, I hate it. <laughs> Like a uh, Randall from Monsters, Inc.?
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. That's
2: <laughs> Like, he's all soft and gushy instead of, like, Ugh. spikes and, and he stuff? And
0: like, he has, like, full dome eyes on either side of his head that, like, rotate.
1: <laughs> oh my god, he's a yeah. chameleon? Chame-
0: chameleon eyes.
1: Is his name yeah. Wowser? I like uh, that.
0: Wowser is a good, good a good exclamation to say when you see him.
1: <laughs> yeah, you would absolutely say that. You'd be like, Oh Jesus, Wowser
0: <laughs> Yep. Oh, man. Maybe he doesn't have the power of speech and so no one knows his name. He's just called Wowser because that's what everyone says when they see him.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> stupid.
2: This stupid this sucks. So I'm gonna move on. Uh Jeff, what did you do this week? Uh
1: I played two horror games for Halloween week.
2: Uh,
1: One was Dead by Daylight, which I don't want to talk about as much, so I'll mention it first. This is a game that's been around for a few years, and it is a multiplayer-only game where four survivors have to escape one horror movie-style killer, Um, and...
0: Wait, okay, I'm thinking... Sorry, I was thinking of... Is it Until Dawn is the one that's like a visual novel?
1: Yes, Until Dawn Uh, is the heavy rain but a horror movie type one. Yeah, got it. Okay. Um, This one is uh, sort of like arena multiplayer game. Uh, And it's kind of neat, except I'm so bad at it because it's so complicated and hard. (laughs) Is Um, it
0: one of those ones where somebody is playing as the killer or you all run... Okay, because that seems like it would only be fun if you could be Jason or whatever.
1: Well... Uh Jason is like one of the few that's not in it because there is a Friday the thirteenth the game, so yeah. there it's like that's the competing product. So but, they just
0: have like hockey man.
1: Well it it started out initially, it was all just like knockoff monsters, but then they mm. licensed uh Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, um Ghostface, but not the character from Scream. They licensed it directly from the company that makes the mask. The rapper? Ghostface no, Killer? Damn oh damn okay. it.
0: The murderer.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: he is a killer, Jeff. It's right there in his yeah, name.
1: That's true. Um, but mm-hmm. I bought Michael Myers, which also came with Laurie Strode for when you play as a survivor. Um, they, I guess, didn't license Jamie Lee Curtis's likeness because it doesn't look like Laurie Strode at all. Damn, that's oh, yeah. a shame. Yeah. Uh, it might just be because the game has kind of bad graphics. But it's really cool when you play as Michael Myers because his power is called Stalk. Like, all the, all the bad guys have a power, and mm-hmm. you just hold down the left trigger, and you move slower, and it highlights any uh, nearby survivors, and uh-huh. if, you, if you get close enough to them, it starts playing the Halloween theme song. That's um, cool. And it charges up your, like, superpower <laughs> meter the longer you stalk them just, like, looking at them. <laughs> That's
0: fun. Although, can they run much, much faster than you can stalk
1: uh No, actually, the killers are, well, you do slow down in stalk mode, but the killers all run faster than the survivors, which is part of what makes the balance interesting. I am, I have not won as, I didn't make any kills as the killer, and <laughs> I got killed almost immediately the one time I played as the survivor, so it's a very, <laughs> wow. very challenging, complicated game.
0: Are you playing this with friends, or are you just doing it with, like, random internet strangers?
1: Uh, I will play it with friends at some point, because a friend of mine is the one who pestered me into start playing it, but I've had it for a while, uh, and I only just started playing it, so I've only played with strangers so far.
0: Apparently I already own this game, so if you ever want to play...
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we should play. Uh, yeah, it came. it's come in, like, Humble Bundles a lot for... Yeah? Um, yeah, that might be fun. Um, the other game that I definitely do want to play with you at some point uh, is Phasmophobia, yes. which our listeners will probably have heard of, uh, because it's very popular on Twitch and stuff right now. So this I is watched... a game... I Oh, sorry, you go. Uh, this is a game where up to four people, um, I only played solo because I was streaming for my students and didn't want to risk internet strangers, uh, on the live stream, um, up one to four people go into a house to hunt a ghost and you have stuff like an EMF meter, a, uh, like radio that can catch ghost words. Spirit Uh,
0: box. Everyone knows what a spirit box is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't until this game, um... (laughs) Yeah, you get a spirit box, an EMF, two different types of camera, um, a book for the ghost to write in. Uh, You can later get, like, a a Ouija board and stuff. Um, But you have to figure out what three, like, superpowers the ghost has, uh, and then cross-reference that with your, uh, like, manual full of different ghost types and figure out what type of ghost you're dealing with. Um and then there's like other secondary objectives as well.
0: Yeah, I I watched the trailer for the game and it is genuinely terrifying because it's just like it's like a 3-minute long trailer and 2 minutes and 55 seconds of it is just a guy walking around an empty dark house being like, "Uh, I don't see any evidence of haunting here." And like going on and on and then he goes down into the basement and he his meter starts beeping and he's like okay yeah there's definitely something in this house and then the voice in his ear is like get out now you have to and then he's like leaving and then the door
1: swings shut and there's just a shadow standing behind it and i was like fuck this game this is so scary (laughs) yeah it that happened to me um the game has voice recognition so when you walk into uh the house, you have to be like, give me a sign, ghost's name, uh, and then the ghost will like flicker the lights or something. Um, yeah,
0: apparently, if you ask it questions while you have the spirit box on, it will answer in the spirit box sometimes. So you can be like, "How old are you?" and then it'll be like adult, or child.
1: (laughs) Show me your butt! (laughs) In the tutorial, I had it, I did, I was, like, trying to use the spirit box, and it gave me adult, old, like, over the course of three, three or four minutes, just adult and old, and then it went, die! And I ran out! I was like, no, no, no! And I knew it was the tutorial, so I couldn't actually be, like, hurt, but still was like, oh my god, that's the scariest... (laughs)
2: The yes, that would be scary. It's the crazy thing- how that reaches right into your brain and is like, no, this is, I don't want to die. No, no thank
1: you.
0: <laughs> the thing is, I've seen everything I've seen of people playing this, and what you've told me, Jeff, is people playing it on their computers, and that's fine, but we both own virtual reality headsets, and oh this game supports virtual reality, and I want to do that so bad because I genuinely think I might shit my pants. <laughs>
1: Uh, and you want to do this, you say? Yeah, no, he loves he loves to crap right in the right in the trousers. <laughs>
0: I just think the idea of having a game scare you so much that you have to take off the headset is uh, exciting. That happened to me once while I was playing Half-Life Alex, There's a character (laughs) in that game named Jeff, who is the scariest character in the game, (laughs) and there's a part where you're fighting him, and then as you're fighting him, the power goes out in the building and it's all black, and I was like,
1: nope, I can't. (laughs) I have to take this off for a while. (laughs) I'm thankful that my computer is not good enough to run uh, VR, and that this game is not yet released on uh, Quest, so... Uh Um, well. Wow. That's what I've done this week, is any of us left. Yes. <laughs> Matt, yes, Matt, go Matt. You gotta
2: shoot your shot, Jeff. You have to just go, and what did you do this week, Matt? And then if you're wrong, we get to make fun of you. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, now I was uh, right, and you made fun of me anyway, so... <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't
2: shoot your shot.
0: It's our prerogative. Anyway, uh, I also played a game this week that is not scary, because we are transitioning out of Halloween time. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I also played many scary games because I love the week up leading up to halloween playing like zombie games like uh evil within and stuff like that but the game that i want to talk about is a game that has been recommended to me many times and i finally got around to buying it and playing it it is the game griftlands
1: have you guys heard of griftlands only because justin mcelroy will not shut up about it
0: (laughs) all right well that is true Um, But I didn't get a good sense from what he has said about what the game actually is. And so I played this game, and it is extremely good. And what it is, is it is an RPG game and a deck-building game. It is not an RPG deck-builder. It is an RPG game and a deck-building game in one game. (laughs) What I mean by that is... Most of the game is a visual novel where you play a person who has, like, like a bounty hunter or, you know, a general fixer in this science fiction future world. Uh, and you're going around solving problems for people uh, in order to achieve your eventual goal, which is different for each of the different characters you can play as. But as you are playing the game and doing this visual novel, um, there are many times when either you want a character to do something they don't want to do... Or, uh, you know, you are attacked by monsters or whatever. In those scenarios, you have an option to either convince them or fight them. And and each one has its own deck of cards. So there is a conversation combat deck and a, like, actual fighting combat deck. Mm. And the cards in those decks... Uh, level up as you use them more. So I like to play as a diplomacy person over, like, a... The, the 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 dialogue combat cards are split into three categories. There's diplomacy, there's intimidation, and then there's, like, uh manipulation is the third one, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But I love to play as a diplomacy character, so I get all of my diplomacy cards leveled all the way up, and then eventually I can be like, actually you should use your argument against yourself. And then, like, they start attacking themselves and stuff. It is so (laughs) cool. (laughs) Uh, Interesting. Yeah, it is a great game. It is extremely fun because it has all of the stuff you like about a deck-building game where you, like, unlock new cards and, uh, you know, gain permanent bonuses based on, uh, you know, items you find and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it also has visual novel... Elements that feed into the card game, where, like, if you convince somebody to love you, like, there are levels of like and love. If you can make people fall in love with you, you gain new abilities based on what they can do. <laughs> um, so you're so- turning this deck-building game into a romance sim, is what you're doing. I mean, when they say love, I don't think they mean romantic love. I think they just mean, like, they really like you a lot. Um but maybe, who knows. Anyway, that's fine. Uh, But it'll be like, people will start the combat and be like, oh I heard that the famous bounty hunter uh, like Skippo likes you a lot so you must be cool, and then it like lowers their defenses for you talking to them. It is so cool. I'm assuming that's like
2: a classical Greek name, but it sounds hilarious.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's not. Like, all of the names are kind of dumb. It's just Skip with an O on it. Oh no, it's not cool (laughs) at all!
1: No, I I think that's very fun. I want to be friends with (laughs) Skippo.
0: Yeah, I don't actually remember if Skippo is one of them, but they're all on that level. Sounds
1: about right.
0: Yep. One of your main friends is a a, uh, fish person with, like, hammerhead shark eyes named Fish, but spelled F-S-S-H. Hmm. Huh. So anyway, it's a really good game, um, and the thing that I like about it is what I've complained about with other games before: uh, that like the multiple systems don't feed into one another. So whenever you're doing one thing, you feel like you're wasting time mm. uh, on the other thing. Oh, no. But this one, everything feeds into everything else. So okay. if if you are a good enough fighter, other people start knowing that and being like easier on you and in. in discussions, and, like, you know, the more you talk to people, the more they like you, which helps you to be a better fighter or talker. It's amazing. It's, like, it's still in early access, so it's only gonna get better, but already it is a very satisfying interweaving of a lot of my favorite genres. That's really cool. Yeah.
1: And it just got announced that it's coming to Switch uh, next summer.
0: Yeah, so I highly recommend everyone play it if you can. I think it's still on sale on Steam right now, which is why I picked it up, uh, and I would I would really recommend it. It's so good. Mm.
1: Alright. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I hadn't known anything about it until I saw the trailer in the most recent uh, Nintendo Partner Mini Direct. Mm-hmm. Where they announced the Switch version, but it looks it like has a cool art style
0: yeah I think it's nice that it's sort of like a cartoony art style but not goofy looking Mm -hmm. if that makes sense
1: that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's like a like a sort of like when a cartoonist does a more serious work.
0: Yeah, it's not like anime or anything, but it's definitely in the style of like a cartoon for grown-ups.
1: Yeah. Well, not the style that all cartoon for grown-ups look like now, which yeah. is family. There's
0: there's no <laughs> tentacle porn or anything. Oh, no,
1: <laughs> no, what? <laughs> I thought that's what you were getting at. <laughs> no, no, pornography is for children. <laughs> Um. Oh, God. We must put away childish things and <laughs> become adults.
0: Oh no, Jeff, you're turning into a no-fap.
2: <laughs> I, I feel like the uh, logical conclusion of that would be cartoons of people having sex, but they look like how drawings. Like they're they're not appealing in any way. <laughs> like this is for adults, like those like maneuver Howe charts, drawings. but
0: with sex.
1: <laughs> yes, no, it's it's just Rick and Morty.
0: Ugh.
1: Ugh. No. <laughs> all right, is it wiki time?
0: It yeah. definitely
1: is. All right, I pasted the wiki into the chat already, and it's the Dungeons yeah. and Dragons wiki.
0: Holy shit! I use this wiki on a regular basis. Dun, dun,
1: dun. You're the expert, then, I guess. Uh, well, we I mean, all play Dungeons
0: and Dragons.
1: Yeah, yes, we well, do. Not right, not right now. We do. I guess that's true.
0: Yeah, but everyone,
2: everyone that's who's that's ever played Dungeons and Dragons is just between campaigns, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. I just <laughs> ordered the the new book, uh, Tasha's book. Of of Everything, or whatever. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah, but they can't do another book of everything.
1: <laughs> everything part called? two. Tasha's book, Cauldron of Everything.
0: Wait, but they already did a book of everything.
1: <laughs> what if this is a cauldron. <laughs> uh, I don't. I, don't like I think it. it's actually. I think the idea is that, like Xanathar's Guide to Everything, it's a rules expansion, so it has a little bit of like all the different things that a book could have.
0: Yeah, I I do like when they they announced a bunch of thing of like new subclasses in this one, and there's one that's like a pirate paladin, which I'm super into. Mm.
1: Yeah, 22 <laughs> anyway. new subclasses and a new class and setting uh, settingless version of the, uh, like, Everon party origin comic. Mmm,
0: that sounds boring.
2: So, uh, to describe this wiki a little bit, uh, the background seems to be one of those full-page paintings you get in some of the guides that is someone maybe fighting a dragon. I can only see a dragon in one corner of it. I can't see the whole page.
0: Yeah, I can't tell if it's a dragon or a greater worm because its jaws are weird and it cuts off half of its head.
2: Yes, but it's one of those pictures. uh, Dungeons and... dungeons and dragons it says around the word wiki so that tripped me up because i wanted to say dungeons wiki and dragons
1: (laughs) yeah no that's right you got it (laughs) yeah this is Uh, dungeons.fandom.com so it's the dungeons wiki and dragons
2: (laughs) that's written on like scrolls that are flying around a heraldic shield uh that you can't see at all because it's completely obscured by the word wiki and then that's in red and then All the way to the other end, all the way on the right, it uh, becomes transparent, and you can see. I guess a a collage of the different species in the game. Yeah, I think it's the I think it's the stuff
0: like class. Uh, illustrations in the player's handbook. Mm -hmm. So you see, like, a barbarian and a wizard and a rogue, maybe? It's kind of hard to see.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing, seeing, I think, a gnome druid in here.
0: Oh, yeah, it is a druid because it's got a staff.
2: Uh, Welcome to the Dungeons & Dragons Wiki. The Dungeons & Dragons Wiki is dedicated to all things Dungeons & Dragons. Here you will find general information on the various editions, campaign settings, and source books that make the game we love what it is. That make the game we love what it is, as well as a vibrant homebrew community. Anyone can jump in and add to existing canon material or create their own homebrew pages with easy-to-use preloads that automatically format and categorize pages. That took me on a journey because when it started, I thought it was telling you that this wiki was just for cataloging official things. But then by the end, it says you can add stuff to
0: it.
1: Yeah, I was. I've looked at the canon drop-down menu, and they only have canonical information for 3rd edition. Like, 4th and 5th are not (coughs) present. Uh Oh. Okay, this
0: is not the wiki I use, then. Hmm. Um, I do want to say that the second sentence in this has an ambiguity that I actually love, because it's true either way, (laughs) where it says, here you will find great information about various editions, campaign settings, and sourcebooks that make the game we love what it is, as well as a vibrant homebrew community. That (laughs) could mean, here you will find blah 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 of vibrant homebrew community or it makes the game the game we love and also makes the game a vibrant homebrew community <laughs> yes and both of those are true and that's pretty cool i don't think it was intentional but it's <laughs> a cool ambi- intentional ambiguity if it was
2: that is very cool uh, and then to the right we have a black and white painting of a dragon
0: yep I like D&D. Yeah. It's a so good jumping off point. So we've all played D&D, mm-hmm. and none of us like it anymore. Is that true?
1: No, I like it. I said <laughs> I like it. I just said I like it.
0: No, I actually really like d and I like D&D because it is, it doesn't try to be perfectly balanced.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it leaves some of that to you, the player, to, like, find your own way to play to make it fun for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of games spend a lot of time worrying about like, oh, well, is the rogue class as powerful as the barbarian class or whatever? But so much of D&D, you need to come in with enough knowledge of how you want to play it that you can be like, Okay, I don't care about, you know, rolling to hit, so I'm only ever going to do spells that, like, affect an area, or whatever the thing is, Mm. and you can make a great character based on literally anything.
2: Mm. I like how detailed it is in that gives you good things to spark ideas. Like, Mm. it describes all the spells in great detail, so you'd be like, oh, that would be good in a situation like this, maybe. And that's good but the numbers involved that's what makes me not like it so much the fact that you could be like "Oh well it turns out you're 35 feet away from this person so that spell you're going to do it's only good for 30 feet and you can't do it
0: yeah I, I have played in some campaigns where the DMs have been that way and I stopped playing in those campaigns because <laughs> I hate it I love the kind of, of Dungeons & Dragons game where the DM is like does that work? who cares it sounds cool let's go for it <laughs>
1: Yeah, yes. I, I like adopting—we're um, playing in a scum and villainy campaign right now, and I like adopting some of the philosophy of that more, like, collaborative storytelling-type game, where instead uh-huh. of saying no, I'll be like, yes— but uh, there needs to be a downside for you to succeed at this. Yes. Like, you can do that spell at 35 feet, but if you miss, it's going to hit your ally. That type yeah. of thing is a lot more interesting than just, like, no, you can't do it because the numbers say no. Yeah, right. that, uh, that's a good point. And
0: I do think that it is fun... If you have the right players and you are running a Dungeons and Dragons game, it can be very fun, um, to sort of like figure out together how things shake out. I ran a game, uh, way back when I lived in Highland Park. Jeff was a part of it every Sunday for years. Um, yeah, a
1: miracle. long time.
0: Yeah. And, uh, we got to the point where we all understood that. And I remember a scene where Chris's character, our friend Chris was chasing, uh, the main villain down the side of a tower and he had like a potion to walk on the side of a tower or whatever. And he, <laughs> he, he, he caught up to this, this villain and he was like rolling to try to like subdue them. Uh, and he kept on failing, but he was like, I'm going to keep trying. And I was like, if you catch this person, the game is over. <laughs> is that what you want right now? <laughs> Like, I understand your character wants this, but the da- the story will be boring if you catch this guy the second time you meet him. <laughs> oh, man. That, that is- sounds
2: like a failure of the Dungeon Master, yeah, quite frankly.
0: You just don't want
1: to make more work for yourself there. <laughs>
0: I mean, no, listen, I was the dungeon master. I could have been like, yeah. this guy has an orb of disappearing and disappears the end.
1: <laughs>
0: like, that—that that is the thing, is that you never have to get the players on your side to run the game the way you want. But if you can, if you can make them understand that the game is better, if all of you are working towards telling the story instead of just winning, that is the ideal... Dungeons & Dragons setup.
2: Yeah, I think that comes down more to your types of players, like, intrinsically, than what you're telling them to do, though,
0: really, right? Yeah, that's
1: certainly true. Yeah, I, I approach Dungeons & Dragons running it, uh, and playing it in a different way than I do other games, I think. Um, like, in other games, I'm definitely more about, like, we all have the same goal, which is to tell a cool story together. Uh, and I approach Dungeons & Dragons a little more adversarially, where, like, <laughs> we all want to tell a story together but the dm's goal is to uh kind of put you through the ringer and the player's goal is to figure out how to like overcome the obstacles without getting hurt yeah yeah, i do think
0: that that uh kind of game running can really lead to some fun creative problem solving which i like as long as you're open to it
1: yeah, it's um, just hard, it's hard to manage, especially if you're playing, like, with strangers who heavy goes.
0: Yes, exactly. I think that there are certain people who will get very, to use an internet phrase, hurt if, like, <laughs> they took extra points in Uncanny Dodge and it just never comes up. Or, like, I will admit, I played one of my earliest Dungeons & Dragons games, I played a Rogue, uh, this was in 3rd edition, and... Uh, the rogue's whole thing was about getting uh, sneak attacks on people. Um, in that in that game, you needed a sneak attack to do anything rogue. And in that version, for some reason, undead creatures were immune to sneak attacks.
1: <laughs> hmm, I think and, that's still true. I mean, I think Literally. it's
0: suppo- I think it's supposed to represent the idea that while if you sneak up on a living person and stab them, there are parts of their body you can stab them in that will be very bad for them. Yeah. But, if you stab a zombie anywhere, they are equally unhappy, but also like, whatever, I don't have any vital organs because I'm animated by evil.
1: And then also, like, the surprise of being stabbed doesn't put them at any kind of disadvantage, because they just turn around uncaring, (laughs) the (laughs) same as if you stabbed them in the front. Yeah.
2: What what we're not realizing is that if it's a living creature, they can only hear the sound of their own heartbeat, and that's distracting them the entire time, and Ooh. that's how you can sneak up on them. Whereas undead um, creatures don't have to worry about that.
0: Uh, exactly. <laughs> you, you say that as a joke, but sometimes <laughs> when you can hear the blood like rushing yeah. in your own ears, it's very unnerving. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh,
2: one of my biggest problems with Dungeons & Dragons is that um, it, ex- it, it expects you to scale yeah. up your remembering of uh, details as it's giving That's you more fine. details, and I yeah. <laughs> have a really hard time with that. Like, if you're going to be any kind of uh, character who has magic, you're going to start out with, what, three or four cantrips, and those you can pretty much use as much as you want, and they're very weak, but you've got them, you yep. start. It's like, you're a Pokemon, it's easy. But then, a few levels later, suddenly you've got uh, spells as cantrips that you can use as much as you want, but then levels 1, 2, and 3, and certain numbers of spells on those but you can only use a certain amount of those before the rest, and suddenly you're trying to keep track of 12 different spells at different levels of ability, and that's really hard.
1: This is why I like, uh, when I play as a magic user, I pretty much only play as a warlock because their spells are like, you get four of them, and they're all the highest level that you can cast them at, and that's (laughs) it. And once you use them all, you have to long rest before you can do anything else. You don't have to prepare at all. That's pretty. I think
0: think warlock, because Warlock as a class was added fairly recently. It wasn't one of the like main classes in the original Dungeons and Dragons, and I think they added it to be like, here is a spellcaster for people who hate playing spellcasters. Um, yes. <laughs> and it works really well. I love playing a wizard and being like everyone else in the party is like fighting with swords or whatever, and I'm standing in the back looking through 11 different, like, player manuals. Like, I'm sure I've got a spell in here somewhere that'll help. (laughs) Like, that is so fun to me. I know that that's not everyone's cup of tea, but that is my favorite thing. (laughs) It's
2: just a bummer when you realize that you got out of a situation just barely, but then you realize the whole time you actually had a spell, and because it is... Because of its obscure name, you didn't remember what it did, but it would have been really helpful, and you forgot to use it.
0: Yeah, that's certainly... I mean, it helps that I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons for more than half of my life at this point, so yeah, I kind of re- remember a lot of, like, dumb yeah. shit about it. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> the, the thing with d is cool is... Uh, and a little frustrating, is you pretty much have to start at, like, level three at the highest, or you're starting with too many things that you do. Yeah, that is very but tough. If, but if you build them up over time, it's a little easier to remember, like, the earlier stuff that you can do, even as you get more stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still it's still not as easy to remember as games where instead of getting more stuff you can do, you just get better at the stuff you can already do. Yes. I,
0: I usually when I'm making characters into Dungeons & of Dragons now, try to make them with a built-in challenge where I'll be like... Okay. I want to play a paladin, but, you know, pal, they, the, the book explicitly says if you're playing a paladin, you should choose to play a human or an orc or whatever. And so I, am like, I'll play a gnome paladin because they suck at fighting. So that would be <laughs> very fun to play. Um, I kind of now, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about how fun it would be to play a Dungeons and Dragons game where everyone has to be like the, stereotypical thing of the class they are. If you were, like, if, right. you play, if you play a wizard, you have to play motherfucking Merlin. Like, yeah, you just like, have you to have play... You have to be a human or a,
1: half-elf wizard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, you gotta have a long, scraggly beard and, like, be a dumb shit who can't remember anything and have all of your spells in different books. Mm-hmm. Or, like, okay, you're gonna play as a fighter? Alright, well, you have to be, like, roguish scar across your face, mysterious past, like... You, Br- you,
1: brown ponytail.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: uh yeah i I think that w- i actually like i kind of like building characters around those archetypes, uh but twisting them, and I already have it in my head that next time I play, I want to just be like waffle good human fighter
0: yeah <laughs> that's the that would be so fun to do like I'm thinking about the like eighties Dungeons and dragons Saturday morning cartoon
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and how like. Everyone was just like a three year old's drawing of that word.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Pretty good. But uh, I got a random I- page. Are we ready? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Louisa, you, are you, did you want to say something? I was just going
2: to say, uh, how long do you think you could play that with the other people who also like Dungeons & Dragons before everyone starts to
0: subvert
1: it and, like, bring up <laughs> cool new things for their character, you know? That's fine, as long as it starts with the basic-ass, like, normal.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would love to play a game where you start out as, like, the sword-in-the-stone version of Merlin, and then over time, like, he has to start... Compromising his morals and turn evil or whatever. That would be cool. (laughs)
1: So my random page is Ring of Ages, parentheses, 3.5e spell. Uh, So for the uninitiated, the third edition of Dungeons & Dragons came out, I believe, in like 98 or 99, and then a revision that changed a lot of stuff but not enough to be fourth edition came out uh, in like 2002-ish.
0: And Uh, for most of the time that I've played Dungeons & Dragons, 3.5 has been like the go-to, this is the one that everyone agrees is good.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, people condition. never talk about
0: 4, even I know that, for some reason exactly. it's 3.5 or 5. Four, 4 was them trying to make Dungeons & Dragons more like a board game, Ah, uh, so, like, the books- I mean, I think it's interesting, but the books are all, like, cut out the cards on this page and then use them to remember your abilities, and, like, every character had ability cards, mm-hmm. so, like- Everyone basically had spells they could use. Like a fighter had a spell called sword attack.
1: Ah, okay. Yeah, every it every class kind of felt samey because of it. Um and they took the best bits of that and pulled them into fifth edition like as like the fighter now has still has the second wind ability which I think was something everybody had in fourth. Yeah. Um so that's pretty cool. Like the main thing they did for fifth was let's take what worked in fourth but go back to the more classic feel where every class feels like you're playing an entirely different game. Yeah. Um, Anyway, this is a level 9 sorcerer or wizard spell. Mm, Powerful.
0: Um, This is a user-created, non-canonical spell, just so, everyone.
1: Oh, yeah. It does say that. Created by Lord Rymus uh, <laughs> uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, it uh, The touched ring grants an endless EX quality to anyone who wears it. While it is worn, user ceases to age, accruing no penalties or bonuses from passing time. Ring is slotless, so it does not occupy an item slot the, the ring will bond to the first person who wears it and will work while it is worn. If user removes the ring, ring break and disappear, uh, so she begins to age at the normal rate, at the rate normal for her race. Interesting. So- so you basically cast this spell on a ring, and then whoever wears it will not age until they take it off, at which point it will disappear.
0: It's a Dorian Gray. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you don't, I like that you don't, when you take it off, instantly super age up to the point where you would have aged anyway. That's. I don't annoying. like that. I want that <laughs> to be the thing.
2: Wait, you want what to be
1: the thing? I want it to be that if
0: you take this ring off, you age super fast. That has a very, like, Greek myth quality yeah. to it, I feel the, like.
2: The thing about this is it's one of those things that people create that's a little too unbalanced, where uh, it you accrue no penalties, you cease to age, and it's slotless, so it doesn't even occupy an item slot, like... That's pretty nice, huh? Why doesn't
0: everyone in the world use this all the time? (laughs) Because it's a
1: level level 9 spell. Yeah, but that
0: means that a working sorcerer who isn't an adventurer could create one of these every
1: day. (laughs) Right, but how did he get to level 9 without being an adventurer? He's retired!
2: (laughs) Yeah, he owns his own uh, crumbling castle now.
0: Again, that would be a fun character to play, somebody who's just trying to get to the point where they can cast this spell and then set (laughs) up shop in a town somewhere and be like, hey, I I make one of these a day. I'm a billionaire. I'm a quadrillionaire. I finally got
1: accredited to make Rings of Ages. (laughs) Yeah. I sell one Wish per day. Please come see me to cast Wish.
0: Mm-hmm. See, but that's the thing. Wish is a, an interesting spell, because it, Wish is, like, the the most powerful spell in Dungeons & Dragons. It allows you to do anything. It, like, lets you remake reality, basically. Mm-hmm. But it, the requirements include, I think you need to have a dra- a Dragon's Heart. Or something mm. like that. Like, the components you need to cast the spell include things that are extremely hard to come by without dying. Mm. Whereas this requires
1: a ring.
2: Yeah, and you said one a day, but it actually takes ten minutes to make,
1: apparently. Like well, you can't cast more than one level nine spell per day. Well, true.
2: But it's not like... Uh, I've seen spells where it's like uh, the character must be able to sit in a trance for eight hours or something, you know?
0: Right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that the reason is because... While this spell and item would be extremely cool in real life... In a Dungeons and Dragons game, it is boring.
1: Oh, here's um, the here's one of the twist: uh, it costs five thousand experience points to make this.
0: Oh well, I still mm-hmm. think that would be fine. Um, I when I was working on the second edition of Scion, the game that I helped develop, um, one of the things that we revisited was in first edition there were gods who were uh who their like purview included um health like healthiness or whatever, uh, and one of the spells that you got fairly late in the game for that that class of god uh allowed you to make someone basically never age. So one of your followers, you could give them the ability to never age. And players hated it <laughs> because you never play a campaign that goes long enough that it would be a, a factor.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, we played a campaign in which Matt's character gave up her eye, one of her eyeballs, uh, for magic reasons. Um, But we immediately and constantly forgot that she'd done that, because we're not seeing the character. So things like this, or aging, like, you're forgetting about it constantly, because no one's keeping that in mind.
0: The only way it could be cool is if the whole party got these rings of ages and then, like, they were like, we're gonna wait for 5,000 years in this dungeon and then see Mm -hmm. where society is.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, actually pretty cool. I like that. Yes. Um, or just but- like you you use one of these in a Pathfinder campaign, and then next you're, you decide to play Starfinder, and the character who wore it shows up as an NPC.
0: You just want to have uh, Robo from Chrono Trigger in your <laughs> <the end> game.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, who doesn't? Yeah, that would be pretty good. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, So anyway, yeah, I think that people, when they are making up fan-made content for stuff, oftentimes think that stuff like this is cooler than it actually would be in-game. And if you you played it in-game, it would be completely pointless.
2: It's the object version of a Mary Sue. You're like, I'm gonna create a character, so it would be great if they had all the best things. Why would I want them to have bad things? So it's kind of the same
0: with the items. That's kind of true, but this, I guess what I'm saying is, if you played a game where your character had this, I guarantee you would end up selling it, like, one week into the game. Because, who cares? Who gives a shit? I'm not going to play this character for 60 years of their life.
1: Exactly. Uh, What is our next random page?
0: Uh, let's See? My random, yeah. Yep. Yeah, my random page is rod of enemy detection. Mmm. Um, like a ghost meter. Yeah. I think this is canonical. I'm pretty yeah, sure this is a real item. It's, yes. It's, it's, in a, in the,
1: it's in the SRD. Yeah.
0: So this was like a, an expanded content add-on to the third edition, th- three point five that was created by Wizards of the Coast. So this what is, is SRD
1: system reference document. Okay. It is the Uh, the open source uh, components of Dungeons & Dragons that you can base another game on or that you can create content for. Uh, it's a really interesting thing about licensed D&D is you can, like, legally and ethically create a Dungeons & Dragons companion mm-hmm. as long as you don't include any of their uh, intellectual property. You can reference huh. rules, uh, you can reference the official books only by their abbreviations, and I don't <laughs> think you can say D&D or Dungeons & Dragons, but you can say 5E. You can call uh, it the big so, like, game. There's You're still- allowed to do that. But I have a, a thing called Tome of Beasts, which is like a 400-page book of extra monsters for Fifth Edition. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think it's actually really cool. And I know there, I know some people who that is how they make a living is that they write add-ons to Dungeons and Dragons that are not part of the uh, official thing. So mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Um, okay, so Rod of Enemy de- Detection. This device pulses in the wielder's hand and points in the direction of any creature or creatures hostile to the bearer of the device nearest ones first. These creatures can be invisible, ethereal, hidden, disguised, or in plain sight. Detection range is 60 feet. If the bearer of the rod concentrates for a full round, the rod pinpoints the location of the nearest enemy and indicates how many enemies are within range. The rod can be used three times each day, and each use lasting up to 10 minutes, activating the rod as a standard action. That's how you can tell that this is a canonical one that was written by game designers, because it says, detection range is 60 feet, and it can only be used three (laughs) times a day. Yes. (laughs)
1: That is so
0: important, because otherwise a character getting this item would be just holding it constantly. Mm
2: -hmm. Like a dowsing rod,
0: just walking around. But
2: also, I find that things like this, in the games that I've played, they're not very useful. All these things that help you detect who's out to get you. Like most campaigns I've been in, it's pretty clear.
0: (laughs) Yes, although it depends on how hard you're playing the morality of your character, but if you're trying to play a character who is extremely good and moral, uh, it's hard to justify them attacking someone first. Yeah. Unless they have some magical way to know for sure that that person is hostile towards them.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Um, but the problem I have with items like this in games is whenever I play a game with one of these types of items, I never actually end up using it because I'm sure that there will be a time later today when I need it more.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, it's the Phoenix Down problem. Yep.
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, I wish that there was a way to... Because I think that it is a cool way to limit the power of an item to uh, have it be that you can only use it a certain number of times per rest or per day or whatever, Uh but... It also makes it, I mean, it makes it disincentivizing to use that item. I wish there was yes. a way to thread that needle. Yeah,
1: I know what uh, you mean. A cursed a cursed item where you have to use it three times a day or you uh, die.
2: <laughs> That's not bad. If you have to use it three times a day, you're gonna... <laughs>
0: Yeah, but then you're just gonna save it for when you need it, and then if it doesn't, then just pop off three charges of it right before you go
1: to bed every night.
2: Yeah, what, <laughs> what if you find something? Ooh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: That's scary. You, you just, like, point it randomly towards the fire, and then yeah. you meet eyes with your party mate as the rod vibrates. Yeah! You're like, uh, uh. You're like you
2: just goof around like, oh, I'm gonna check my friend to see if they're an enemy. Uh-oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. End of session! <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's especially surprising for the person playing the other uh, character who's <laughs> <Yes>. hostile. <laughs> yes. oh, wait, I am? Oh no, I need to search my feelings. I guess <laughs> I haven't forgiven you for that thing you said about my dad. Uh,
2: should we do mine?
1: Sure. Yes, please.
2: Alright, I got Elemental Bane Attack, which is a 3.5 edition feat. Um... It says it was created on December seventh, two thousand eight, so I think this is fan made, although it doesn't say who it's
1: by. It is it does say three point five E home bottom. Oh okay. Yeah. Uh God of Future is the user. Uh,
2: this doesn't look like it was formatted very well,
1: but elemental no,
2: bane attack. Uh, summary, transforms your bane attack damage into elemental energy on command, which I guess is good if you're fighting a particular type of enemy and you need it to be elemental attack.
0: Yeah, this is actually extremely useful, and I wonder that I this, this is a good idea. I actually am very on board with this idea. What is bane it, attack? Can anyone tell me real quick? Yes, bane attack is a... Um, let me make sure that I'm telling you the truth here. Yeah, <laughs> it is a uh, class attack for a, um, like a cleric, kind of. There was a spin off of clerics called Grimms, which are like clerics but evil, kind of. Um, and one of the things that they gained was a thing called the Bane attack, where you could attack a creature even if they were uh, intangible. Oh, okay. Um, but one of the downsides to clerics and grims in 3.5 edition is that they don't have any real elemental attacks. It's just holy or regular mm. hitting. Okay. So gotcha. this is a good idea.
2: This is Good idea. We found one. We found a good homebrew idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the better idea was in fifth edition. They just took away the requirement for clerics to be good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I was. I'm so glad about that because yeah. you can have like Ooh, a paladin who's a dickhead.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, you need, or you just need to be Frollo from uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah,
1: <laughs> the
0: idea of an evil cleric is so good. I don't know why they ever didn't want that. Yeah. Also, like most of. Uh, The people we know from history who were uh, religious leaders ended up being pretty terrible, so... Yeah. Um,
1: is there yeah. anything else to say about this wiki?
0: Um, I'm really surprised that people still give a shit about 3.5. Like it's good, but yeah, yeah, fifth edition on to Pathfinder, is better
1: at least.
0: Yeah, Pathfinder is just a better version of 3.5. Yeah. It's a bit so.
2: weird to me that this is the this is the Dungeons and Dragons wiki, but it's really only 3.5, and there are other Dungeons and Dragons wikis, I guess. Like Matt, you said you've used.
0: Yeah, there's confusing. one that is just. I mean, the thing is, what I thought when we first got into doing fan wikis, I thought what we were going to see a lot of is... An actually smart way to use a wiki, which is to organize information that is otherwise only findable in like books and movies, in a way that is easily look upable. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I use whatever the Dungeons and Dragons wiki that I actually do use is, is because like like Louisa said, if I've got fifteen spells, I don't want to have to flip through the book to find. Okay, this is what this spell does. This is what this spell does. Mm-hmm. In a wiki format, I can click on the page that is rogue spells, and then there's yeah. just a list of all of the rogue spells by level, and then I just click on it to see what it does and how to use it. Mm-hmm. That is uh, that is the intended way that the reason wikis were invented is for organizing information in this way the mm-hmm. fact that so many of the pages we go to are just like well i'm not going to use this to organize information but i am going to use it to vomit my preteen angst about my little pony onto the internet is <laughs> <Yeah>. so annoying
2: <laughs> we don't like that this page references wikipedia
0: we need us to everyone involved
2: to rewrite this information in their own words so that it's uh, completely incomprehensible with other yes
0: <laughs> yeah And, like, you're just making it even harder to look up the information I want on real wikis. Thanks, asshole. Yeah. So, anyway. (laughs) uh, All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and tell a friend about it so that we can continue to grow. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at HackTheNetPod, or you can join our Discord and talk to us directly. We're uh, having lots of fun discussions in there. We just have been talking about how we need to make a uh, horny, uh, furry game uh, visual novel with our fans. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll see if we can bully people into doing that. But we love our fans, we very much appreciate talking to you guys, so if you want to join, please do, Um, and uh, if you want to get an invite to that, you can message us on Mastodon. I'm on Mastodon at Heron at Mastodon.online.
1: I'm also on Mastodon, you can type this URL into your URL hole, (laughs) Mastodon.social slash at JeffJK, also JeffJK on Snapchat and Instagram.
2: You can find me on Mastodon at Louisa at Mastodon.xyz.
0: All right, guys. Well, thanks for coming. Please come back next week. In the meantime, please remember to keep your pockets on Shrek.
1: Don't read comment. Do it job!